I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and introducing new intern Josh Wadka. And uh, see, we have a deal where when you uh, end your internship with us, you have to find the replacement. So if you don't work out, this is all on, on Jack. Jack yeah. It's all on Jack. Well, at least at least it's on Jack, and not not on my shoulders. So I'll, to, I'll take it. You got thirty seconds to tell people a little bit of your background. Well, um, a little bit about me. I'm going to be a upcoming freshman this year at the University of Washington, hoping to study business finance and. Uh, I'm from Olympia High School down in Olympia, and yeah, I'm just super excited. UW's kind of always been the place I, I wanted to go, and I, I was just super excited to get into the school and continue continue on with Husky sports. So I'm really looking forward to going on this journey. And and he's going to be a manager for the uh, baseball team. Yeah, I'll be I'll be helping out, I'll be helping out the baseball team in the spring. So a lot of cool opportunities coming my way and I'm just ready to dive deep. Let's just see how good you really are because day one, fall practice 2022, who's your favorite Dogman uh, staff member so far after one day? I don't know me, me and Chris kind of had a back and forth together. But Did we? I thought it was Scott. I figured it was Scott. Yeah, I don't know. Scott, Scott, well, I Scott mean, and I, I, mean, I don't know. Really yeah, hard. yeah. To cross off all the guys' names. <laughs> I just want to know how close he is to Jackson Grant. That's how. I, that's what I want. Oh, me, me and Jackson, me and Jackson uh, were friends in high school and stuff. So, yeah, we know each other pretty well. Yeah, Jackson's a good kid. Oh, we're just getting warmed up and messing with you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, day one, I think you know the big focus is going to be on the quarterback reps, and you know. Um, it's, it, they're going to rotate things out, but it looked like Penix with the ones, Dylan Morris with the twos, and Sam Heward with the three. We're fully expecting that to flip. I think you're going to see each one of those three quarterbacks in the next three days rotate where Penix will be with the threes and Heward will be with the twos and Dylan will be with the ones and Sam will be with the ones at some point in the next couple of days. But that's what we're hearing, and uh, Kalen DeBoer kind of alluded to that. But, you know, just we didn't get to see a lot of Sam today because he was out on the east field but uh, Dylan and Michael Penix seem to get a majority of the reps inside the stadium today. Yeah, yeah and we saw some long plays, we saw some bad throws, I mean that's kind of to be expected. Um, Dylan was the, the only turnover that I saw was Dylan Morris, yeah, the interception yeah. by Devon Banks. Um, other than that it looked pretty clean from a quarterback standpoint um, the, you know, the receivers are catching a lot of great great passes, making some great plays. There were a couple drops, but for the most part, I thought it was pretty good from the quarterbacks and, and the wide receivers most of the day. Yeah, I mean, Kayla DeBoer, when we talked to him after practice, made it very clear that if there was incumbents or if there was a situation where it was crystal clear who the quarterback was, they wouldn't have hesitated. But the fact of the matter is, is that this is a first-year staff they want to make a good impression. They don't want to make any missteps on something this important. So they're going to take the week. They're going to take a week. They're going to give these guys all equal reps with the ones when they're doing their installs to make sure that they all got their chance to do it, and then they'll go ahead and probably make a decision shortly after the, the first scrimmage, which it sounds like it's going to be a week from this Saturday. You guys may not agree to me, but you know this whole thing with the splitting the reps and all all of this kind of stuff. To me, it's kind of a dog and pony show. Michael Penix is going to be the starter, you know, week one. I don't think there's any no doubt in my mind from the people I've talked to and what I've seen. I don't see any doubt that Michael but Penix. If, but is if you the play starter. the long game on this, especially if you're DeBoer and you're Ryan Grubb, you realize even if you could name Michael Penix the starter today, you're you're going to be in this situation next year if Penix is your starter. 
because he's going to be gone after this season, and you're going to have to go through the same situation over again. What makes you think Penix is going to be gone? He's got two years to play. Because if he does everything right, and he's got he's remember he's got a minimal shelf life yeah. in terms of trying to be a pro with his body the way it is. He hasn't finished a full season the first three years he was at Indiana. So I think he would strike while the iron is hot. I could be very wrong about that. I don't know for sure. But it, it seems to me, if I'm, if I'm reading the tea leaves and I'm Kalen DeBoer, I'm going to assume Michael Penix has a monster season and then he's done what he needed to do in order to Move on. put himself in, in, in the shop window in terms of attracting interest from the NFL. And if he does that, then they're back to square one on this. That's why I think this process for them is important to get it right because I think they could end up having to redo this thing again next year. Scott, anything jump out to you today with the quarterbacks? Um, no, I mean, not really. I What really jumped out to me was the fact that early on, at least in those that early team session, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't mm-hmm. complete a pass. Mm-hmm. The The defense was all over their guys. It was it was pretty bad. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I – I, nothing really stood out to me except for there were a couple nice plays made by the wide receivers for for some some touchdowns. But yeah, yeah, and just you know, I know it's early, but I'd like to see him looking off uh, the DBs a little bit more, and you know, locking onto receivers. And uh, I, I like Dylan Morris, but boy, sometimes when he drops that arms down to throw his passes, I'm just you know, you can't be that short and throw that sidearm ball. He's got to keep that high. But like I said, you know, first day of practice, we got to see a little more scrimmaging, you know, without live hitting than we got to see all spring, though. I think one of the things that was really interesting to me that we didn't see at all really in April because the full team would come together and do their team periods and you'd see the ones versus the ones and the twos versus the twos but today what they did was kind of interesting they took everyone that wasn't necessarily in the ones and twos and took them over to the east field and so we got a chance to see basically good on good and then the ones and the twos which I thought was really interesting because it's first day you know, there's been a public thing about making sure that this quarterback process is done right. Yet at the same time, it feels like they've already, you know, for maybe and maybe I'm completely off about this, but it sure feels like they've already kind of solidified those ones and twos. Yeah. And that's when when DeBoer talked after to the media about how impressed he was with how the ones especially had kind of ramped things up and really gotten things going. It really does feel like there's a clear delineation between the guys that are playing at the top of this group as opposed to maybe the rest of this group. Yeah, the breakout player today, the guy that stood out, I think it was pretty obvious to everybody who was at practice today, was Giles Jackson. Yeah. Uh, Giles Jackson had a big day, seemed to catch everything. You know, mm-hmm. Josh, tell us what you saw out of Giles Jackson today. I mean, just every route he ran was crisp, just separation separation throughout. And even even on those close contested balls, he he just made plays. Everything that hit his hands was caught. I don't know. It, he just stood out as the fact that the quarterbacks were looking for him, numerous targets, and then he he made the most of the reps he got. So you got to applaud him for doing that. He looks like a different guy. Yeah, he really does. I remember last year he didn't look like a wide receiver. He just looked like a guy. Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah, he didn't. He looked like a guy who hadn't really figured out his role at all. And this year, I think he knows it, and um, he's figured out how to sit down in the zones, find the soft spot. He he was like uh, Josh said, he was making contested catches. He. You know, there are a couple throws where Dylan just 
zipped it in. I mean, threw it about as hard as Dylan can probably throw it. And Giles came up with the catch and, and uh, in, in between players. So um, really impressed with how he looked today. And Chris, another guy that kind of jumped out, had his, uh, some flash moments today, somebody that you asked Kalen DeBoer about, and that's Will Nixon. And he seems like a real intriguing guy out there with what they'll be able to do with him. He's super intriguing, and I think he was super intriguing the moment we knew he was going to sign with Washington from Nebraska. Um, first of all, his dad is, is an NFL coach, I believe is the Carolina. Running back coach. Running back coach. Mm-hmm. So he's got the pedigree. He's, he's had the coaching all the way through. He was a running back in high school, but it sounds like Nebraska was trying to utilize him more as a receiver. So I think what enticed Nixon to come to Washington was the fact that he's kind of going back to what he feels he's best at. And DeBoer even said, he goes, yeah, he can go out, he can catch pass if he needs to, but he's got a special skill set that we really like at running back. And since they're in the process of completely revamping that room, because I think he said there was at least four new players that they hadn't even really seen run, you can even add uh, Richard Newt to that, even though he really didn't do much today. He was in yellow. Um yeah, he was very impressive. I thought Wayne Talapapa was was impressive yeah. as well. Um, he was the first guy out there. He was the first the first running back out there in the mix. In fact, it was a bit ironic that the two guys that were really the featured backs in spring, when you talk about Aaron Dumas, you talk about JV on Sunday, they were almost non-existent today. Now that could have. I assume that's all a big part of their plan. I'm sure they wanted to get Talapapa and they wanted to get Nixon rolling right away because I truly think. Those guys are going to have a big impact. Um, and Scott, when you take a look at uh, Will Nixon, do you think he's a running back, or do you think he's that true slash running back wide receiver playing both? And when was the last time Washington had somebody like that? Yeah, I think he's probably eighty percent running back, twenty percent wide receiver. Um, but he is, yeah, he's going to be used in so many different ways. I think they're just going to find ways to get the ball into his hands. I think fly sweeps. I think Jadon Mickens, but Jadon never lined up as a running back. No, yeah, well, no, he actually did a couple times. Yeah, but. but, but not that, that was, that was a, see to me. I think it'll be the opposite of Jadon Mickens, it, whereas it, he'll line up yeah. at running back more often and maybe split out every now and then. And I know that we're prone to overreactions after after just one day, and it's not in pads or any of that stuff. He's a hundred percent running back to me. Yeah, he's one hundred percent running back. I was curious when they listed him as a running back receiver, and I think that's simply because of the experience he had in Nebraska and the fact that he can split out if they need mm-hmm. to. But the simple fact is they're going to line him up as a running back first, and then if they want to motion him out, they can play him that way. They can do different things with him. But if they're going to do that 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 stuff you talk about in terms of fly motion or sweeps or those types of things, you know, we go back to Giles Jackson. I think he could be a real threat in that game as well. They're going to need a couple different guys in that mold. So, yeah, I, th- I think there's a, an opportunity for him to do some of those things. But what I saw today, he looked 100% running back to me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Scott, another surprise on offense. A little bit of a surprise, but Roger Rosengarten uh, at right uh, right tackle. Right tackle, yeah, and and uh, with the know, ones, yeah, with the ones, and we 
you know, I, when I listed my pre, pre-fall camp uh, uh, depth chart, I, I had the whole offensive line right except for Roger Rosengarten. I had Mateo Mele out there, but they've moved Mateo Mele into the second center spot and moved Garen Hatchett over to the second right guards or to, to the actual right guard spot. Okay. So um, I found that kind of interesting uh, with the second team. So, um, yeah, Ro- Rosengarten and Kalen DeBoer said at the end that he's just everything he's done and the way he moves and the tools he has, he's made it so that they had to get him on the field, basically. And I, I mean, he's got the skill set. I just thought he was a year away. I thought he'd still need another year, but they don't think so. Mateo Mele, do you think there's competition? I mean, do you think there's a legitimate competition at center with Mele and Luciano? No. Or do you think Luciano's the guy? I think Luciano's the guy. If he gets hurt, Mateo Mele's the guy to come in for him. But, um, you know, the coaches have said, I mean, all through spring, they said the most consistent offensive lineman we have is Corey Luciano. Scott Huff said it. Ryan Grubb said it. Kalen DeBoer said it. If those are the three guys saying it, I don't. I don't see how he doesn't end up being your center unless he just falls apart like Chuck Knobloch who couldn't th- throw the ball to from second to first, right? You know, unless something like that happens, I don't see any way he doesn't he doesn't uh, be the starter. Can, can sticking I? sticking on the offensive line, just you know, when you take a look at Jackson Kirkland out there, it's good to see him back. But the thing of it is, I mean, down at Media Day, standing next to Jackson it's Kirkland, huge. he's six seven, he's three hundred and forty pounds, and he, I mean, he has no body fat. Yeah, they, I mean, they know what they're getting with Jackson Kirkland. And we knew that when Jackson Kirkland was going to be installed in this offensive line on day one, that they're, they're, they were going to move Troy Fautanu to left guard. I mean, that was just simply the move. Um, it's unfortunate for maybe a guy like a Nate Kalepo or, or even a Julius Bulo who have had starts there. Um, you know, but that's just kind of the, the way that pecking order was going to go. So it was tough for Scott Huff to worry about that in the spring. Because he already knew that the pieces were going to be a little bit different on the left side. But if I can ask a bigger offensive line picture question to you guys, when you look at Rosengarten on the right side, and then you look, I mean, I saw sometimes when Garen Hatchett was at right guard and that they were moving Mateo Mele, as we've talked about, into center. Um, you still have Benavalu in there, but now they've moved Victor Kern back out to right tackle, it looks like. Yeah. With all the experimentation that they did in spring, is that an indictment on the fact that whatever experimenting they were doing with that side just completely didn't work? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I just okay. think that I think it's almost impossible to go an entire year with five offensive linemen, mm-hmm. you know, starting the entire season. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think that they really need that depth and. Um, you know, like I said, you know, Rosengarten, seeing him out there at right tackle was a little bit of a surprise. You know, we expected to see Victor Kern and Henry Bainavalu at right guard. I mean, he's a stalwart and he's another big human. Um, you know, so I, I think that they've got some depth that they like. Um, it's also a pretty good size offensive line but as is well. Cer- but I guess what I'm asking then, do we think that circumstances have changed with a guy like Bainavalu? Like maybe it went from they weren't quite sure what the future was going to hold from him in spring to now it's like he's he's fully healthy, he's ready to go, we can use him as our starting right guard, and we can feel confident that he can make it through the whole season. Well, I 
I think that the uncertainty with Bainavalu is the knee issue, and is he right. going to be able to hold up? Exactly. And I think that's the big issue, and that's just kind of an unknown because you know I'm not I don't I don't know if this is right to say, but we'd heard that he was pretty much bone on bone on that knee, and it wasn't good. So. We, I mean, when he announced he was coming back, I was kind of surprised. I didn't expect him to come back. Did you, Scott? No, I did not. I did not. And I don't I, – I'm hesitant to believe that he's going to stay healthy the whole season. So, so. But, yeah, so that here's, or here's the question. Or they'll rotate him in and limit his reps. So that's why I'm asking the bigger picture question. In April, we saw Vic Kern move in there. Was that too – was that implied that they weren't sure 100% about Bainavalu for the season – or, and, and now that maybe they are, they've moved him back out to his natural position out of tackle, or is it what they're saying is, yeah, Kern's not going to work at, at left guard. That's why we're moving Hatchet over to the right guard and moving Kern back out to right tackle because clearly that's where Kern is more is, is a better fit. I just think they're trying to build depth and, you know, take, you know, contingencies and things like that. You know, because like I said, you know, it, it's going to be surprising if they go through the season. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, 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 today is the day to overreact. Based on what we saw, and we saw a lot that we could overreact on. I'm just curious whether or not people are going to look at this and see all the changes and go, "Well, whatever Scott Huff tried to do in April, it didn't work." No, that, you don't yeah, think you, no, so. You I don't, don't think, think so. people would be. No. That's not fair. No, I think that getting Kern the reps inside, yeah. like they did, yeah. and getting Hatchet the reps at center because they they need a third center. Yeah, you always have to have a third center. And um, but boy, we thought Hatchet was the guy we, after, and now he's he didn't even get reps there today. He didn't. But I think that well, we don't know if well, yeah, because he was with the second. That's team, what I'm saying. So, that's what that's what I'm saying. Is, the thing is though, um, you get him reps inside at, at uh, center during the spring. Yeah. Then you give him all fall camp to get. So now he's got reps at both positions. Sure. Well, well, Kern well. now has reps at right guard, which he already had coming into camp. But he got. He's already gotten. He's got 15 practices worth of reps at the at the right guard. Right. So, so where's the balance go? Where? where how, but, how how much are you going to give to other positions to give them balance, as opposed to how much do you want them to really stick at one position and be really good at that one spot? And I'm anticipating coming in tomorrow and them having everything all mixed and matched again. Not like, me. I yeah. This is not the time. When April's the time. When, to do that. when That's it comes to, when it comes to the offensive line. They want the same guy. We've seen what happens when they change things up right before oh, yeah. the first game. It doesn't yeah. usually go well. And, and that they wasn't want done. the same guys playing right. that whole time. Because I, I think it was – I don't think it was under Strouser. I think it was under Cazetto when we saw one offensive line the entire fall and then come the start of the, the season, first game, three of the five guys were in different spots. It, I just, and that's yeah. and that's either a coaching staff that is so full of themselves that they think that they can hide everything from everybody and mm. think what they did under the surface will work just fine, or it's a complete catastrophe. Yeah. And they're and it's just full on emergency, all hands to the pump type of thing. And it's, and it's big. Go ahead. Oh, I, th- I think in DeBoer's press conference uh, this afternoon, he also talked so much about like co- the cohesion of that group, and he felt like that group was coming together very well. So in that. In hearing him talk about that, I wonder how much he's actually wanting to like switch people around and yeah. move spots, especially if he's feeling like that group's coming together in an image in which he feels comfortable with. So, I mean, I don't know how much moving around he's going to look to do at that, and that point. And that's why I'm kind of curious as to why does the right side of the offensive line look so different yeah. than what it did at the end of spring. And I'm just wondering if that's a function of 
Scott Huff saw stuff on tape and just went, yeah, what we tried just didn't didn't work or and, something else. And as big as Jackson Kirkland has gotten, keep in mind, 340 pounds and he doesn't have any body fat. On the other side of the ball, uh, you've got MJ Alle, who's just a massive human being. But, you know, Coach DeBoer talked about them wanting to get him down to about 330 pounds and he's already lost 20 to 25 pounds. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't notice him today. And you didn't notice him? I didn't. In the, when the first teams came out, when they, when they separated the teams, he was in the first team with Tule. With Tuli, Latuli Gasanella, he was there. Yeah. I mean, he was present. And on top of it, I he, asked. He DeBoer, got a quote unquote sack. Yeah, I, I asked DeBoer afterwards uh, when we when we broke up that uh, about his role as the as the guy in the guard for the for the punt cover. Because I don't know if you guys noticed that, but when they were no, doing I special teams, he's the guy that's barking out the calls mm. in the punt cover. He's one of the three guys in the shield. He's like the main guy, and I was I thought that was really interesting. In addition, uh, Coach DeBoer said that you know the, one of the biggest surprises that he has had since he's got here and got through spring ball, he's been really impressed with the edge uh, edge guys. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you're talking four guys who can all get it done. Well, at least three. The 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 fourth, Savelle Smalls, I think it still has to say, prove himself. Are we going to overreact and say yeah. that, that Savelle isn't in that group because he didn't mention him? He mentioned the other three guys, but yeah. he didn't mention him. Yeah, but Savelle's been running consistently with the twos. And, so. I, and I'll and I'll stand for Savelle today. I thought he was a monster. I thought he had a really I good day. I thought he had a great yeah. practice. I thought he today. had a pretty good day. So we'll we'll see if that carries over because we've seen him have pretty good days and then we've seen him completely disappear. Yeah. So, but ZTF I thought had a good day. I thought all of the edges had a good game. Braylon Trice got under somebody's pads and that pushed was, him back. That was Roger Rosengarten. Yeah, and then and, but then yeah. uh, Jeremiah Martin also beat Rosengarten on a on a play for a quote-unquote sack. And so, small, Smalls did, too. Yeah, and Smalls did, too. So, you know, I mean, Rosengarten, I think some of it's just going to be he's he hasn't played on the right side. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know that. He's only played left tackle. He got some reps last year, like during spring and fall. Yeah. But that I think that goes more to your point, Kim, about how they were trying to find some different reps for him to make sure that he yeah. could play on either side if yeah. need be. But that is not easy to do when you're used to left Yes, sides reps, correct, and now flipping it completely to the opposite way. Hey, just yeah. real quick on Rosengarten, he was a big time get for this program. He was an absolutely big time get. That was one that Oregon thought they had wrapped up. Washington got a final visit from him, and um, that was the first crystal ball I actually put in. Yeah. I remember that, and and I did it way ahead of ahead of time, and it ended up being right. But no, he's he's a he's a big time talent. He just needed to get some seasoning, and I think they feel that. Seasoning-wise, he's where they want him to be. And, and next year, if he's the right guard, or I'm sorry, the right tackle this year, I think next year, Troy Fautanu, who's going to probably play left guard this year, probably slides out to that left tackle spot. And now you've got your two tackles for a couple of years. Yeah, it's one it's one ten in the afternoon, day one of practice, my first hot take of the season. I think Savelle Smalls, Changing his number to zero has changed everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> he will become Agent Zero. He will become the new Gilbert Arenas. He will be the dude dominant 
guy out there, and I think it's because of the number change. I think that changed everything for and him. And I think the dog, and he looked he looked the part. I think the dog derby where he was out fishing, he had to kind of get his balance and equilibrium, and it changed his life. <laughs> I, th- I think he's yeah. I think there's something about what he what he looked like today. He looked like a different guy. DBs, have we got that sorted out at all? I know Alex Cook is penciled in, Asa Turner, and who was it that no, got that? No, I think the three penciled in guys right now are Jordan. I think you can put Jordan Perryman in ink. Yeah. I think you can probably put Michelle Powell probably in ink and Alex Cook probably in paint, in ink. I think the that second safety spot Asa? is uh, Asa Turner was out there today, but Cam Williams has a ton of experience and ball skills as well. So I think those two are really going to fight it out. And then um, at your Husky spot, looks like Dom Hampton's job to lose, in my opinion. So um, although Cam Fabi Kalanen had a pretty good practice today too, so. Um, I, I think that secondary, at least the, the starting guys, other than that second safety spot, I think they're pretty much set. Well, the ones were pretty consistent. I mean, you had you had Braylon Trice and Jeremiah Martin at the ends. You had Thule and MJ inside. You had Cam Bright and Tupatala as your linebackers. You had um, you had Dom Hampton as your as your Husky, and you had uh, Perryman Asa, and Powell. Perryman and Powell as your corners. Asa and Cook as your safeties. And I think that's – I would be surprised if that's not your starting lineup. I think, I think you're probably right. That ends up being what it is. But I, I could see a situation where as long as everybody's healthy, I, I could, I could yeah, see that I'd being like the to, case. I'd like to go back maybe but historically think, and see yeah. what – how – like if you see the first team based on like what the first practice of 2018 was, uh-huh. was that the same lineup that showed <laughs> yeah, up in the first but, game? But I think, I think Cam Williams I, – I don't – I'm not going to count him out yet. I'm not going to count. Oh no, those guys will rotate. I know they'll rotate in. I know Julius, they'll rotate in but I, wouldn't, I wouldn't count out uh, Cameron Williams though to be the starter. I think they're going to rotate. I think there's going to be a lot. Of Absolutely, they're going to. And Cam Williams, even if he doesn't start, he's going to play a lot. I just think I could see Cam Williams being that that other starting safety next out. Well, Devon Banks. I mean, he, he had the he had the one pick today. He looked good. Elijah Jackson looked physical. Um, Kalen DeBoer, I mean, he was asked uh, about Elijah Jackson today, and he talked about him being one of those guys that has been a little bit more vocal. He stepped, stepped up a little bit more. Him, yeah. yeah, so um, there's there's stuff brewing there. I mean, clearly, to be able to try to immediately replace guys like Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon, you don't do that. You can't just literally be the next guy up and act like you're there. Um, that said, they have experience. And, and clearly Perriman is motivated. He's got to be motivated because he made this move specifically so he could get featured in this defense that has a reputation of putting defensive backs in the league. That's where he wants to go. So you know he's motivated. Michelle Powell's motivated because he's a local kid, made good, became a, a scholarship guy. So there's good stories out there. Now they just have to make sure they can get it done on the field. What did you see out of the secondary, Josh? Um, I don't know. I just saw... A lot of just ball ball skills, you know. I mean, it's hard to tell with pads and, without pads and stuff when we're when we're just running against air pretty much in sevens. But I I like the guys that are locked in pretty much. They made they made plays on the ball, and I don't know they were making hard they were making it hard to catch balls. Like they were all over the place, just flying around. And I thought another piece that DeBoer talked about today with the defense as a whole was communication. I feel like just throughout the entire defense today was just was just spot on. Guys were talking, signaling the entire time. I don't know. I just feel like that group as a whole like was pretty locked in and on the same page, which I think is pretty impressive for the first day of camp under a completely new coaching staff. 
Also, uh, Coach DeBoer, you know, told us, and we'd pretty much known this, but Eddie Ulafoscio, he's going to miss at least the first half of the season and hoping to get him back at some uh, point in the second half. So, any thoughts on Eddie? I mean, he's out there and he's active on the sidelines, but, you know. I mean, I asked him if that prognosis kind of precipitated them going after a guy like Chris Mole, who he feels is kind of like the Will. He called him the Will Nixon in the defense in the fact that he can play linebacker, but he's also played some safety. So he can be a hybrid type guy. He said they are. They feel like they're a little short on numbers in the defensive backfield, um, and he can help them in that area maybe. So we'll, we'll see how that develops. He he only played linebacker today, yeah. but um, losing A's that's huge crushing blow for them. Yeah. Because he he is a guy that until he got hurt was was absolutely 100 percent bound for the NFL, without a doubt. I mean he was he was headed on that trajectory. You know, you can say the same about uh, Jackson Kirkland. And I still think both those guys have absolute pro futures ahead of them. You just hope that he can come back 100% healthy. Post-practice, uh, the former linebacker for University of Washington, Keyshawn Bieria, addressed the team. Also, uh, first scrimmage, not this Saturday, but the following Yeah, when, when they don't let us come in yeah. and watch. We, <laughs> and for those who are unaware, we got the six, first six practices. In, in their entirety, though. Yeah, we, we don't we don't get kicked out after thirty minutes. So. Yeah, so that's good. And Scott, just uh, want to touch bases on recruiting today. There were yeah. some uh, indications that they were going to get a commit today, but it sounds like he's just kind of thinking, "Do I want to be that far yeah. away from home?" Yeah, I, I had a story written. Um, the kid basically told me that he was going to UW. He and we're made, talking about we're talking about Jordan Sanford, a safety out of Mansfield Timberview in Arlington, Texas. Um, basically told me it was coming to UW, and um, other people close to his recruitment said he had already told Washington that he was committing and he just needed to get his edit done and all that different stuff. Had a story written, ready to go. Texted you guys, said, I'm ready to post when it's when it's time to go. Never happened. And uh, Steve Wiltfong started, uh, changed his crystal ball to Texas Tech, and it sounds like he's probably going to end up staying closer to home. It's it's a tough loss for Washington because I think they really wanted that kid. He's basically Buda Baker, Buda Baker Light is yeah. is two you know, whatever you want to call him. Really good talent, um, and but there's also there was some belief that he didn't have other than Michigan and maybe a few other schools. He didn't have a ton of big time offers. He had good offers, but he didn't have a ton of big time offers. So the thought was that if uh, Texas or Oklahoma came in the mix and offered him, he probably was going to flip anyway. So um, I'm not saying this is a we didn't want him anyway because the Huskies did want him. But um, I, I just think in the long run it's probably working out for the best anyway. If you're going to take a kid that far away from home, you have to be 100% certain that he is 100% committed because it, you yeah. know, if he gets up here and doesn't like it. It's really easy yeah. to transfer portal for and, guys. Like and that his mom is very involved, and um, she she signed off. He, I remember him telling me that. Oh yeah, she signed off on it. But the he told me also that she wanted him as close to home as possible. Yeah. So the reason that he brought her on the official visit was so she could see what it was like. And just a reminder. We're dealing with 17-year-old yeah, kids. exactly. So, where these aren't 35-year-old adults. Yeah, he might not even be 17 yet. Well, and to but. also underscore the point, again, when you're dealing with trying to get verbal commitments from 
players that are that far away geographically, you are going to have to maintain the heck out of those guys all the way through until they literally sign on the dotted line. So we're not just talking about even if they had gotten the verbal commitment of Jordan Sanford. You're talking about Diesel Gordon. You're talking about Anthony James. You're talking about guys that you're still going to need to be in constant communication with, and you're going to have to keep fending people off because they're going to keep talking about you should be playing closer to home. You should be playing in front of friends and family. You should be doing this, that, and the other thing. And it's difficult to maintain commitments from distance. It just is. Trust me, Curly Reed is a guy that people are going to keep an eye on because Brian uh, Kelly, you know, losing that kid when they offered. Yeah. I mean – that's that's big. Now, granted, so. one of the big reasons Washington was able to get in on him is because they had a plan for him, mm-hmm. even though he's been injured. Yeah. Well, if all of a sudden LSU decides to go whole hog and 100% in on this kid, it could yeah. end up being a whole different story. And this is, we're not telling people anything they don't already know. If you follow recruiting closely, you know this is just part and parcel of what goes on. And it's like, it, I always think about it as like no limit hold'em. If you can't handle the swings, if you can't, handle winning thousands of dollars on one hand and losing thousands of dollars on the next hand, then you should get out of the game because you will get you will just absolutely get eaten up alive on the inside. Final thoughts on day one, Scott Eklund? Um, you know, typical first day. Um, defense definitely ahead of the offense. Uh, saw some nice big plays from the offense and um, some really nice catches by the wide receivers. Um, but overall, liked what I saw. Hard not to enjoy talking to Kalen DeBoer. Even when he doesn't say a lot of stuff, he still makes you feel like he appreciates you being out there. Tyrone Willingham was one of the worst people in the entire world and to interview, to even be around. Chris Peterson didn't want to talk to us. You could tell that he didn't want to be there and talk to us, but he was always cordial with us and very nice to us. Kalen DeBoer, is, is, you know, that pendulum has swung because even though he doesn't say a ton, he talks. He talks. And he tells you, and he's always got a smile on his face. I think he's just, he's one of those guys who just seems happy to be, he's like, am I really a Division One football head coach? You know, it seems like that's how he feels. He's just excited to be be out there and, and doing his thing. Joshua, Joshua, day one. <laughs> we just kind of throw you into the raging yeah. rapids. You hit your head a couple times, but uh, tell us what you saw out there and just... Uh, is this is this what you thought it was going to be? Uh, I, cu- I couldn't say it was it exactly what I was thought it was going to be. No, but I've enjoyed the heck out of it. I'll tell you that. But uh, similar to what Scott said, I mean, you can't really look much into day one, like non padded practice. There's only there's only so yeah. much you can gain from it. But I think I think mostly anytime you look at a new program or anyone who's trying to install something, you got to look at culture and just how the team's buying in. <laughs> and from everything DeBoer's saying, the guys are coming together well, and just. There's a lot of buy-in within the entire program and organization as a whole. And I don't know. Me personally, that's one of the first things I look at with any new regime anywhere. Just how much are the guys buying in. And it really just looks like they're out there having fun playing football. And, you know, that, at the end of the day, that's, that's what matters the most. And that's usually what the best teams are built off of is just that culture and connection. So if everything's true about what they're building there, you've got to be excited for, for the future to come. Chris Fetters, final thoughts on day one? Yeah, I like both those guys, and especially the, the DeBoer angle that Scott was talking about. Um, it would have been interesting to see if fans had gotten a chance to listen to the same answers that we had gotten to, because when he talked about culture, when he talked about you know seeing the excitement in the guys and how that generates excitement for them and how they feed off each other and, 
and everything else. I, I just think that there's probably some fans out there that would run through a wall for that guy based on what the things that he was telling us about and just his genuine excitement for the things. That, and like Scott says, I mean, there is – it's certainly not naivete at all because he's done this at the highest levels. Mm-hmm. But there is a, a kind of a – not an aw-shucks quality, but a, but a, a real um, just genuine feel about the guy. And it's, but it's not naive. It's he's still just him. It's just him, and I don't know how else to describe it. As far as the day goes, again, I think part of the theme on the thing is the first day, we all get a chance to really overreact on what we saw. You know, you see Roger Rosengarten out there at right tackle, and you go, "Wow, there must be something really cool they saw on film." And then you see him get wrecked by, you know, Savelle Smalls, Jeremiah Martin, uh, Braylon Trice. And now all of a sudden you're like, what the heck? There's no way. What's that going to – you know, so you overreact about the offensive line. You overreact about the edges. Kalen DeBoer talked glowingly about the edges. You know, but you look at what their production was last year, and it doesn't, it doesn't even come close to anywhere matching the hype of what these guys did. They didn't do anything last year. So how much are they going to be able to erase that from their memory? How much of that have they been able to create maybe a chip on their shoulder moving forward? We'll see. And but again, I, I echo a lot with Josh. Says in, in some ways, yes, we get to overreact, but there's so much. It's just day one. You, you just can't go there. And once we get into the dog days next week, that's when we can start mm-hmm. really seeing some things. And again, once you put pads on, then you'll have a much better idea of where they stand. Yeah, day one. Um, and for those who aren't around the area, actually got spit on a little bit with the rain and the wind. It was it wasn't warm. A lot of the media members scrambling, going back out to their cars to get coats, but we got rained on a little bit. And I don't know if you guys could hear in the background the Blue Angels flying in the background, so I don't know if the microphones picked that up or not. But, uh, you know, just uh, I, I really like this coaching staff. I think there's some really good coaches on there. and I think they're more teachers than um, – we've seen in quite some time I know Chris Peterson has some really good teachers on his staff but I'm seeing a lot of really good you know coaches that are really good teachers out there as well day one long ways to go and just a reminder if you're looking for those daily updates during fall ball those daily updates as well as any breaking news alerts just shoot us a note huskystadium at gmail.com subject line newsletters we'll get you hooked up again huskystadium at gmail.com subject line newsletters we'll get you hooked up uh, with regular updates and breaking news alerts also big promotion on the site uh, football season has begun today so a lot of fall practice we're running a 50% off your annual subscription um, if you sign up for dog Man.com. I think we're going to run that for a couple of days. So you got a couple of days to do that. So and just and just a reminder, Kim, that's not just for new subscribers as well. That's also for monthly. If you're a monthly so subscriber and you, you want take to up, advantage, of if this. you want to upgrade for half off, and uh, you can do that as well. Yep. So um, we'll be back here tomorrow. Practice is at nine twenty. We expect the quarterback rotation, so we'll see who's running with what. But nobody's going to be on it like the guys from Dogman.com. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eckland, and Joshua Watka from Olympia, Washington. New intern. Go dogs. Thank you.